Make this Christmas memorable with Goat Guns. Get the coolest miniature gun models for your collection. From historical classics to modern weapons, we have something for every firearm and hobby enthusiast. Surprise your loved ones with the gift of Goat Guns, the perfect blend of quality and detail. Shop now and spread the joy at GoatGuns.com. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Welcome to Adult Bedtime Stories. Are you ready to experience nocturnal emissions? Join us in a sex-positive awakening adventure to help create a sex-positive world. Become part of a movement and start living a sex-positive lifestyle free of sexual shame and guilt. Adult Bedtime Stories is a Raven Slayer production. Adult Bedtime Stories is a show dedicated to bringing sacredness back to our sexuality and to learn about everything sexual. Allow the beautiful sexy creature within you to emerge. Each week the focus of the show will be on a different sexual topic designed to enlighten you so you develop more fully as a sexual being. This is a sex education that you didn't receive in high school, but should have. Imagine for a moment that we could change the world and live a sex-positive lifestyle. In our sex-negative world, the process of socialization teaches us to feel shame and guilt around sex. By adopting a new set of attitudes and values around sex, we can view sex with a new understanding, which is accompanied with positive emotions and the attitude that sex is a sacred act. I am Lady Boy Chi, a sex expert a life coach, and a sacred harlot. My life vision is to create a sex-positive world through adult education and BDSM performance art. Hello and welcome. Tonight's episode is a continuation from last week when we started with part one on sacred sex and tantra. Enjoy part two. What did you really, your biggest takeaway from the ritual? Mm. <laughs> I really love uh, the ability to have intimacy in a very safe way Mm-hmm. with a group of people that doesn't, f- I mean, it, it, it may have been out of people's comfort zone, but it didn't feel edgy. 
I didn't feel like I was going to have to worry about someone trying to touch me or to right. re- require anything of me. Right. It's not about me pl- pleasuring someone or them pleasuring me or putting on a show or anything like that. No performance anxiety. I mean, you know, <laughs> there's, very there's a little bit of self-consciousness yeah. when you hear yourself vocalizing and you're like, am I too loud? Mm. Or what is what do people think of the sound that I'm making? Yeah. But you got to kind of put that aside and just go, Okay, let's just be fully present and and, mm-hmm. and and just feel it. And then also listening to others and feeling emboldened by that. Yeah. Like, oh, this other person is expressing themselves. Great, that gives me more permission. Right. And it's this beautiful, intimate, uh, erotic experience. And release being able to release in a group like that without, um, you know, we can often be charged, but getting to that point of release where your ego says goodbye for a few seconds, you know, <laughs> that is, yeah. that is a singular thing. That's not something that we get to experience very often. That uh, vulnerability, yeah. tremendous amount of vulnerability. I ended up laying on the floor for what, 30 minutes afterwards. Oh, yeah. I, I could not, I was not ready to, <laughs> to, to, to transition. I, you know, I even said to everybody, uh, when you're ready, get up <laughs> and fully experience what's going on. Take your time with this. Mm. and you've worked hard to get here and you've done great (laughs) also it can be a little traumatic to go okay and now we have to go back to 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 life and our boundaries and yeah (laughs) it's like allow yourself the the gentleness to ease back Mm -hmm. and to really honor what you've just experienced with yourself and with other people yeah i mean i think that's just true in general in life but but certainly when you're being vulnerable like that in a group and you're sharing such a, a special a special part. It is amazing. <laughs> mm. Thank you so much for giving us that experience. Oh, oh everybody contributed to yeah. it. I just I was the guide. <laughs> oh, and the, the way I look at my role, I can give people the tools. They have to pick them up and use them. I can't do it for them. But and the, so. But there's such a skill in that, and yeah. such a it's a it's a sacred gift. To be able to to make space for people right. and to to guide them, yeah. um, in ver- you know simple principles, but also the fact that you were timing us and you were n- instructing us, and that's not easy to do those facilitation skills. So I just yeah. want to you know, oh well, thank yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I do work hard at doing temple stuff and doing the workshops, and and I have put a lot of research and. And before I bring something to Temple, I fully immerse myself in it first and mm. see how it works for me. And when it does work, it's it's like, okay, let's bring it in. <laughs> so I wanted to talk a little bit about um, why you think it's important for the world collectively right now to start raising this energy. I think we're in a whole we're coming into a whole new age. And I'm seeing little signs of it. We're we're becoming a little more enlightened about sexuality. And we've seen tremendous growth in pagan communities and the BDSM communities and in many different alternative communities. Just Burning Man alone, it's amazing this situation city of what 60 or 80,000 people forms for two weeks and then disappears in the desert these are amazing feats 
that occur are occurring. And I think that part of it for me was growing up with a father that was a minister and having some of the sex-negative belief system crammed down my throat and realizing, you know, I realized at a very early age, when I touch myself, that feels tingly and good. There's nothing evil or bad about that. Mm. It's bringing me to a state of joy and love. And and I remember I saw a study, it was back in the early 80s, and they did this death toll count on the three networks, NBC, ABC, and CBS. And in one week of television on the three networks, more people were depicted dying than have died in all the wars that this country's fought combined. And I thought, we're being exposed to an incredible amount of violence, and it's getting worse. The violence has become more graphic and more horrific, and yet we're rarely shown two people making love and two people creating life together. And, and I said, what's wrong with this picture? Mm. And then I thought, you know, I remember sex ed and how that's deteriorated. It went from scare tactics to abstinence only. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I thought, you know, here's, here's this very conservative group. They want people to not get into sex until they're monogamously married. But they don't even provide a proper sex education for partners in a monogamous marriage. Right. And then and that ties also to the religious component, which we're talking yeah. about sacred sexuality. Yeah. So how do you think the religious institutions limit? Well, I remember in the church, my dad's church, you know, sex was preached as being an act of sin and the first sin with Adam and Eve, you know, was when they ate the forbidden fruit and became sexual. And I thought, there's something wrong here. <laughs> and, you know, there's so many misinterpretations of the Bible and so many things taken out of context today. And to kind of push this a sex negative agenda. Yeah. And so I, I think a big part of it for me is I want to create a better world. And that came to me kind of as part of my life vision. I do a lot of meditations and self-reflection. And, and early on, I knew I wanted to run a sex temple and become a sex healer and do work to help overcome this kind of concept of sex equals sin and fully embrace that sex is just the opposite. It's a sacred act between one with yourself or one with a partner. Yeah. And so I look at sexuality as a gift of the goddess. In the pagan community, there's this statement that all acts of love and pleasure are mine, speaking as the goddess. I give blessing mm. for all that practice these arts, mm. something to that effect. 
And what I found in that statement is such a beauty. When I orgasm, I'm in a very pleasured and amazing state of consciousness. I'm fully in tune with the here and now. I'm fully present with my partner or with myself during not just orgasm, but the build-up to it when I'm playing with myself or playing with a partner. And so often in day-to-day life, we're thinking about, oh, I've got to make a laundry list, a store list, I've got this to do, that to do, and our minds many different places other than being fully present with someone. And so I realized, oh, sex brings something very special that Buddhist monks spend years of meditation to achieve, and I can achieve it in a few minutes just making love to myself or making love with a partner. And I saw that sexuality is a gift, and our bodies have been, through evolution and through time, have been created with a huge amount of sexuality built into the product, (laughs) so to speak. And so I see this as, I guess my real vision is, let's embrace sexuality, not reject it, not curse it. It is a gift of the goddess. Yeah, I'm having so many thoughts around what you're saying, but one of the things that really stands out is the tantra was intended as a, a household path, they called it. Yeah. So it's not about going to a monastery and studying right. your whole life since age five. It's about being in life and being in the world mm-hmm. and having spiritual experiences every day. Yeah, and if you read the Kam- Kama Sutra, which a, a lot of people think it's all about sex, well, it's also giving guidance on how to be a good, productive human being and how to live your life with honor and respect and sexuality is a big part of the Kama Sutra, but it goes beyond just sexuality. Yeah, and the other component that I wanted to mention that I think is really important, and there's a lot of research being done about right now, Brene Brown specifically has been talking about shame. Yeah. and. I think shame is the biggest block that we have. Mm-hmm. It is um, shame is embedded in us from mm. the outside world, yeah. and then we reproduce it in ourselves and we hold it in our bodies. I mean, some women mm-hmm. tend to hold shame and sexual trauma inside their their G spot, basically mm-hmm. inside their vagina. Yeah. Um, but it also can be embedded in other places. You know, we can be you know blocked in our hearts and our Solar plexus. Um, and this throats. gets more into Taoist kind of connection. But in Taoism, part of what is practiced is forming, reforming a genital heart connection. Because mm. we've lost that in our culture. And I think Tantric may have some similar, but in the Taoist, it kind of came to me clearer you know, forming this genital heart connection and bringing the heart back into sexuality. And also, I think it's called sita, but in in Tantra, the mind and the heart are actually the same word. It's heart, like the heart mind. 
So this notion of this dualism between mind, our mind and our heart are two separate things. That's not part of this this principle. This principle is mm-hmm. that it's all connected, and the more mindful we can be, the more we can connect to these other parts of ourselves. They're not these isolated areas. Yeah. I think the other thing that really has impressed me is the internet, and it is building a bridge between cultures in amazing ways. And you can get on the internet and learn about cultures that instantly that you would have had to fly to that country and really fully immerse yourself. Now, yeah, I'm sure if you went there, it would be a whole different experience. But one of the things I'm seeing, and I've heard it on TED Talks, is that because of the Internet, it's connecting cultures, and we're finding out maybe we're not as different as we think, and that's part of this movement I'm seeing. It's that I think we are slowly becoming a Mm one-world culture instead of, many different cu- countries and the instantaneousness of communication yeah. that used to take it was sometimes in some cases was impossible yeah. other cases would take months mm-hmm. you know the fact that in a second i can communicate with people all over the world and learn what's going on with them and sometimes those connections may be more meaningful than the, the physical connections I have with people in my neighborhood for yeah. example which most of us a lot of us don't know anybody in our neighborhoods yeah. people make an effort to, to <laughs> learn those things but um, the fact that you can find these kindred spirits yeah. out there that are that are on the same a similar wavelength yeah. Um, and yeah I mean I know a lot of people who've met online and are now like life mates yeah and that's that's powerful stuff oh it is and, uh, you know, I just see this as humanity's big hope. A lot of people have very negative views of technology. They have negative views of the kinds of connections that you can find on technology. They don't see them as real connections. They yeah. see face-to-face as the only real mode of communication. For me, I find that it is absolutely an important face-to-face, but also people are able to find support for all different kinds of alternative lifestyles, ways of thinking, and, and I think then that's the other exposure thing that's for kind of people opened up sexuality too. Yes, because um, especially in the bisexual community, when I was young, I was so isolated. I didn't even know another bisexual, mm. and I didn't know other people had the same feelings as I did. And this was before the internet. And then I came across some information, books and stuff. But it took me so many years to discover, oh, I'm not alone in this. And so in a sex-negative culture, we suppress so much of that. And I think the Internet has opened up the door and people can say, yeah, I have this problem or I'm this way. Is this weird or abnormal? And we're finding, no, more and more people are like me than I ever thought before. Yeah. And, so and different cultures. very powerful. I was um, on the Sacred Sexuality Rising group, which I would recommend for people if they're interested in learning more about this stuff. There's a, in Facebook, there's a group um, called Sacred Sexuality Rising that uh, is 
has a lot of healers and and very very intelligent people speaking yeah. about these topics. Um, this woman from Pakistan came in. Mm-hmm. I don't know how she found the group or what the context was, but was I, I won't get into the details because they're personal. But was asking a very personal question on her sister's behalf. I don't know if it mm-hmm. was really on her own behalf or not. Right. You never know. But um, uh, and they have an extremely repressive sexual yeah. culture there where you know yeah. um and to see the flood of people saying no no that's actually quite normal there's a bunch of people that also share that fetish and yada yeah. yada yada and i mean watching her asking questions and receiving feedback just so instantly mm-hmm. that's tremendously yeah. powerful yeah. you know somebody who would normally be isolated from that sort of information yeah um all of a sudden mm. can mm. connect one of the th- phenomenon I saw, I did a radio show on sexuality. It started as a bisexual show and then evolved into this sacred sex show over time. I was doing this show once a month for a station in Houston, radio station in Houston, 90.1 Pacifica. Mm. <laughs> and it was KPFT. And our show was After Hours, Queer Radio with Attitude. And I talked all about all kinds of things sexual on the show. And I would get emails. And and then the producer came to me one day and he says, I hope you know little kids are sneaking their (laughs) little radios into bed with them and listening in on this. And they're learning. Mm. And he says, this is such a gift you're giving to the world by doing this show because when I when we first started it was the show originally was this gay male kind of very campy show and we transformed it into this sexual education Mm -hmm. and information Mm -hmm. and so kids were able to and even adults were able to tune in and learn okay I'm not so different and I think that's part of what I see with the internet is it does it at, it at an even bigger scale. And in in a lot of these embodied traditions like Tantra, where you know you used to have to fly to some exotic place and then mm-hmm. you have this guru and et cetera. And really, for a lot of people who believe in the the ancient, the medieval Tantra, uh, that you do still need a guru and all of that. But at the very least, if you're interested in the principles and you want to do some self-exploration, the information is just right there. Yeah, you can have instant access. And there's videos. There's video. There's instructional videos on YouTube that people just have uploaded for. Just to now help you do the have world. to use a grain of salt. There's a sure. lot of misinformation on the internet sure. too, so you have to really be selective and really. Uh, when I go on the internet, I kind of say, "Well, let's see what are the credentials of this person," and I'm not necessarily talking about scholastic credentials, but I'm talking about is this a person that's actually well-versed in this and really has good knowledge versus a person that just decided, oh, I'm going to throw this out and out there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so but you need to kind of be a little weary of misinformation. Yeah. But, but I there's also a lot of good information out there. 
but and also just even people who are early on in their journey like I'm fairly early on in mine um their insights are have some everybody has something to share and yeah. that was something I noticed this weekend at the workshops too yeah regardless of how experienced people were with certain topics that came up there were always just these beautiful comments that people would make or questions that you know help mm -hmm. everybody so one of the things I learned and I'm glad you touched on that we often think that experts have to have certain credentials and they have to have all this not you know 100% knowledge and this and that and I came across a better definition if you know more than 20% of your peers about a subject you're an expert I and like you have that. something to share with people. But even if... Oh and you God. don't have to know 100%, just 20% more than what most of your peers know, then you can be considered an expert in that area. Yeah. Because you can teach something to somebody else. And I think that's part of the phenomenon of things like YouTube is that people are out there teaching and being the expert that... In the past, you had to go to college and get a degree and have all these credentials, and now you don't need that. You can be an expert just because you've had good life experiences mm -hmm. and have something to share. Yeah. <laughs> but let's get on back to the pagan festival mm. and some of the things you've experienced. Yeah, so... Um, through the workshops and through all that you experienced this weekend, uh, uh, I want to kind of shift a little bit and just kind of talk a little bit about the more esoteric side of it. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like this experience has helped you grow as a person or has opened your mind in any new areas? I'm trying to think if there was anything that I learned that or experience that was super new. Um, and not necessarily new, but just sure. something that just, because I remember there's been times in my life where I uh, thought I knew something and then saw it in a different way. Right. And you it know, just kind of expanded my life a little bit. <laughs> I think there was this really powerful dialogue in the um, manifestational orgasm workshop where th this woman was asking questions about not being able to achieve orgasm and when you can't achieve orgasm you think it's there's something wrong with you right and uh that you're just different than everyone else and you're just never going to be able to do it and there and there are people who who are that way and that's totally legitimate or yeah. don't want to you yeah. know and asexuality is a totally legitimate mm -hmm. way to be not that i can confer legitimacy but just to be clear we're not saying everybody should have to experience these things exactly we're all a little different but it was clear that she wanted to you know and she was asking this woman oh, how do i how yeah. and this woman had this like really intense look on her face that was responding mm. that was running this workshop and she was like you have got to practice you have to break through your blocks you have to do the work you have to 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 start feeling your energy and tune into yourself and it's not about what someone else can do for you and 
And it was so powerful. It gave me chills because that's what I had been sort of intuitively doing on my own because I knew that my trauma recovery had o- could only go so far. Yeah. I knew that I had done is pretty much what I could mm-hmm. in analysis and in f- you know figuring out all the patterns and yada yada yada. But I had to release it somatically from my body and I had to give myself permission to mm-hmm. feel desire again if yeah. I really wanted to heal. And, and I that's think also you bring up an important point because Men in our in a sex negative culture are taught to be the pursuers of sex, and women are taught and conditioned to be the gatekeepers of sex, mm-hmm. and that's very different perspectives. And by be being made the gatekeeper, often you have to block your own sexuality. Yes. yes. Because or if feel you shame. don't, then you're not a good gatekeeper. Right. Or if you do express it either internalized uh, slut-shaming from others or your own. And I don't, you don't even realize when you're doing it, it's so deeply embedded. Oh, it is. And I, so I've started to learn to feel it in my body. So I experienced sexual pain for my whole life. Yeah. Uh, And I went to the doctor, and of course the doctors have no idea. They're like, oh, it's this, you know, generic thing that, you know, you're just going to have to live with. And this is going to, s- oh, I don't mean to interrupt. Well, you. just to just to quickly share, as I I thought that it was just going to be the case, you know, it's just the, the, the situation. And then I started doing the, the tantric work with solo tantric work for myself and going through this process of, you know, um, accepting my pain and accepting yeah. myself and really trying to release shame around myself. Mm-hmm. And realizing okay well maybe i won't be a perfect lover but that's okay i'm gonna be who i am you know and all of a sudden it went away Mm. and for for two years it went away and it was shocking because i mean still sensitivity but not the 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 pain because so much of it was trapped trauma in my body and then when i started interacting intimately with someone who was also had some trauma that they hadn't processed it came back mm-hmm. because i was i was empathically receiving yeah. it and it reactivated my own right. oh that's right we're supposed to be ashamed of this thing right and then i was like that's not mine i don't want that anymore and yeah. then i had to work on <laughs> breathing <laughs> it out again but that's a and mindful process it right? is and i'd like to kind of throw in something because i've been involved in the past with a group called the Radical Fairies. It's a gay male group. And they were the ones that really kind of helped turn things around. And there's a power in naming. And so when people call them faggots and queers and uh, demented and sick, they own those words and they came back and said, I'm queer, I'm here, get used to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they own the words, and I, it took the power out of those words to be destructive, and it gave them a sense of pride and saying, yeah, I'm a faggot. I love being a faggot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think the same can work for women. Yeah, I'm a whore. I love being a whore. I'm the sluttiest whore you ever find. <laughs> And own the words, and then they don't have power over you. That is that is definitely true. And mm-hmm. I also think beyond that, 
there's a sweetness and an innocence in our sexuality that we lose when we get shamed at a young age. And so one of the things I've been experiencing is my child sexuality coming back into my, to my awareness. And that was systemically shamed. Oh Um, yes. Mine too. I mean, I got caught playing in a small little town in East Texas. (laughs) I got caught playing with boys. (laughs) Right. And that was like the minister's son's, homosexual and perverting all our children. <laughs> yeah, I, I, and I received several talk about similar being shamed in the community. <laughs> After yeah. that occurred, nobody would say anything to me. Mm. It was, and finally, my parents, my, well, my grandmother noticed that I was feeling really down and depressed, and she said, "He can't live here anymore. He's coming to Houston." Mm, good good uh, for you, Grandma. Uh, Yay, yeah. Grandma. <laughs> Celebrate her for a second. Uh, mm. Well, my grandmother and both my grandmothers and I, we really had a... M- they were more progressive than my parents. My parents were very conservative. And they noticed that I was very progressive, too, in my th- approach to life. Mm. And I'm not sure where all that came from. Maybe it skips... but. I have seven brothers and sisters, and all of them, as far as I know, are fairly conservative to this day. Mm-hmm. I'm the one that was kind of the black sheep, the <laughs> one that stood out and was always the mischievous one that was always in trouble. Mm-hmm. And, and we get to label our sexuality as dangerous because yeah. of that. And one of the things I'm really working on is removing my block around being mm-hmm. dangerous. It's not to say that sex isn't dangerous because it, it, it can be risky. Risky is a better word, I, yeah. f- I feel, for it. Yeah. It's it's like it, there's there are risks to it, and you can acknowledge those risks. There's very real risk today, especially with AIDS and STDs yeah. and, and, and emotional some uh, risks and the emotional risks, w- especially with the current political atmosphere where, you know, the misogynist white male is saying, oh, it's okay to grope a woman. That's what they're here for. (laughs) Uh, No. (laughs) Yeah. It's got to be consensual. Yes. And And so that's really where this uh, massive shift, I feel, is happening, is this emphasis on consent and trying to figure out what that means. And a lot lot of us are still trying to figure it out because it's complex. People want it to be very simple, but it's not. It's it's very nuanced and complex. And we, speaking of sex education, we were not taught consent. Some of the young people these days are, though. Some of the youngsters are getting consent classes, and Mm -hmm. I think it's great. I feel like, you know, we would have such a different world if at a young age we were being taught how to yeah. really respect other people's boundaries, how to respect each other's sexuality, yeah. and how to And I even went through honor. some trauma around that. It wasn't about as much about sex as it was about non-consensual sadism. Yeah. And I went, unfortunately, I went to a dentist that was a sadist. And he pulled teeth with no anesthesia and did drilling with no anesthesia and I was in you know tears were coming down my face and next thing I knew he was rubbing against me and totally inappropriately 
and it was just devastating. And I still kind of have this phobia about going to the dentist. It's just horrible. And once I real, my parents realized that he was being a bit sadistic because they could hear me screaming in there when they were in the waiting room. Finally, quit taking me to him, but it was just this horrific experience. And part of the way I kind of overcame it was through BDSM role play, mm-hmm. and I had to kind of face some of those fears and re-empower the child and through bdsm i had safe words <laughs> and, and i also framework. had uh after we did a scene i had the aftercare and that nurturing time with the sadist and learn okay this is a good thing now mm. <laughs> and it so empowered the inner child yeah So a lot of what we're talking about here is sacred sexuality is not just about, and and BDSM can be combined with that, it's not just about, oh, we're going to go to alternate dimensions and we're going to talk to God or whatever. It's also about our inner children and learning how to heal them from this shame and trauma that they've experienced (coughs) and to to allow them to express themselves and to love themselves. Yeah. Those affirmations. I love those erotic affirmations. You oh, know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was uh, one of the things I went over in another workshop. Mm-hmm. Well, the morning affirmations. And yeah. Just there is a definite power in naming. And when we affirm some positive affirmations, it can be so powerful. When I first started doing my morning affirmations, it wasn't very long into it, I started noticing the things I was telling myself became less negative and even more positive. And uh, my life just transformed. Mm. It was like, instead of attracting all this negative stuff, I was starting to attract positive things. Mm. And it's very powerful stuff. And that is part of tantric sex, I think. Mm-hmm. Mindfulness. Where, yeah, the where mindfulness. is your consciousness? Yeah. And also, I- we m- mentioned it earlier in the show, being able to be fully present with mm-hmm. someone. That is such a gift. Mm-hmm. Too often we're kind of lost in thought when we're talking with people or we're thinking about what we want to say next. We're not really fully present with the person. And when you can be fully present, it's like all of a sudden you connect at a much deeper level. And it seems like such a simple thing, but it can be incredibly difficult to really achieve that. It takes practice and working on it and really changing your mind talk and your whole locus of focus. Mm-hmm. You know, instead of focusing inwardly, you have to really focus on the person you're with. And that can be very empowering. And it's also not about destinations. It's Mm -hmm. about journeys. So being in the moment means that maybe you're just caressing each other's hands or something. And that's just as powerful and erotic as an orgasm because it's the present moment. That's That's what you're experiencing now. And you can just... Let's just totally get into holding each other's hands, yeah. you know, and Feeling things that we take for granted. 
said this on the shows in the past, human infants will die without human touch. And we live in a touch-deprived society. And when we can be fully present and fully give and receive touch, that's very powerful. Yes. <laughs> so, our takeaways. Yes. Any special thoughts you'd like to help bring a conclusion to all this amazing stuff we've been talking about. Well, one thing I would say is that you don't have to be a spiritual person to experience these things. You can totally believe in whatever you want to believe and just do the breath work and, you know, feel the energy circulating and you can have these powerful experiences. These are your toolboxes. Yeah. But they don't work unless you use them. (laughs) And unless you surrender to them and allow yourself to have the experience. You could be the, there's people that are intensely spiritual but are control freaks, you know, (laughs) and that's okay. It's just, it requires a level of devotion to to being, having that present moment experience and surrendering into it. And it takes some practice and it's okay. It's okay not to get it quote unquote right. Mm -hmm. Well, once say you are shining and you're beautiful and you're you're an amazing inspiration. Yeah, same to you. Same <laughs> to you. We've just been uh, like eye gazing this whole time, y'all, <laughs> <So> <laughs> and talking and connecting. So well, the eyes are the windows to the soul, and that's, that's right. part of being fully present. Is mm. forming those connections, not just auditorily, but visually and through all our senses. Yeah. <laughs> So go out there and connect to people, even if it's just a smile to Mm -hmm. a passerby on the street, you know, that can make someone's day. And also make your own day. Mm -hmm. Try practicing some of these techniques and allow those yummy pleasures into your body because our bodies are designed to receive pleasure. All right, well, thank you very much for having me. And thank you for being on the show. I find it interesting that adults in our culture are not provided with informative sexual education. Even married couples don't have access to an adequate sexual education and how to pleasure each other. It's assumed that somehow We will instinctively know all that we need to know about sex. I don't know how you feel about this, but I think there's a better method. I would like to invite you to join me in developing a sex-positive lifestyle with freedom of sexual expression between consenting adults. Join us each week to learn everything sexual. Add your comments about the show and any suggestions you have for future show topics. We would love to hear from you. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you won't miss any episodes. This concludes this edition of Adult Bedtime Stories. Are you ready to experience nocturnal emissions? Sex is the final frontier. So explore everything sexual.
It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. PenFed's got great rates for- 